0: All right, hey everybody, this is uh, Kirk Cabana and welcome to this week's episode of Pursuit for Purpose. Thank you to everybody who has joined live via the different platforms and uh, thank you to all that will listen at a different time. Yeah, guys, I gotta tell you how very thankful I am for each and every one of you for, for taking the time and, and I hope that you take something away from this conversation to use in your process of becoming the best version of yourself. This week, we'll be discussing uh, you know, having humility and some self-awareness among some other topics. This week, we're joined by Patrick Jones. Patrick is the host of one of the best baseball podcasts around, and he's a constant source of valuable information back to the game of baseball. He's also a professional hitting coach, has a player and coach development programs. He's a former D1 athlete, and he, he just brings experience and perspective to the game and gives back to it constantly. Guys, uh, please welcome me and joining Patrick Jones. Patrick, appreciate you sure, uh, on. appreciate man. you having me, man. I mean, I've been
1: excited for this all day long, even though I've, I've been in the cage, so I'm I appreciate you having me. I'm
0: excited to uh, to talk here. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump right into it, you know, be respectful of your time and and do appreciate you jumping in, like you said, after you a know, full day of lessons and everything. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, man, I just really wanted to start with is... You know, from a personal perspective, I, I've noticed a tremendous amount of growth and, you know, development within yourself from your own early podcast episodes to, you know, where you're at now. And, and I think that deserves a, a ton of recognition. So, you know, with that being said, you know, what lessons in, in humility have you learned in your journey as a person, a podcaster and a teacher? And, you know, what other key lessons do you have to share from your, your podcast journey as well?
1: Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I think I, I would consider myself a very aware, self-aware person. And I, I think I had a, a very big advantage as a kid um, in helping me develop that awareness and that humility and understanding that I'm no better than, than anybody else. And I think a big part of it was, uh, you know, growing up as a you know, young kid, you know, one of my parents uh, was disabled. And so I remember every day waking up, going to school as a seven, 10-year-old all the way up. You know, walking past my pet, parents' bedroom and, and seeing you know the the scooter in there for you know one of my parents, and I, I just it hit me like, man, this could happen to anybody, and you know I'm and I you know I'm no better than anybody else. I this this could be me. So I, I think having you know the humility to understand in, in that. You, you are no better than anybody else, I mean, but at the same time have confidence. And I, I think I attribute a, a big part of that to just the environment I, I grew up in, and I, would, I view that as an advantage. And then just naturally I would say I'm a pretty aware person and, and know when I'm doing something well and know when something needs to be better and no different with the, with the podcast circuit or coaching or anything else. I think you can tell people that you're working hard, you can tell people, uh, you know, that you're studying or this or that. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're getting better. And so I, I know what I'm getting better as a uh, podcast host or a coach or, a work. you know, if I'm working out trying to get in shape, all those things. I mean, you, you just can't lie to yourself. So I mean, for me that the podcasting has been so much fun, and I, I have felt myself get better over time. And I think that's partly because of of the awareness, but also the humility in the, in the sense that I I don't have all this stuff figured out. There's people out there who are probably are better podcast hosts than me. And there's people out there who, you know, I, I hired Joe Ferraro who has his own podcast. He's incredible. He's way better than me at it. You know, hopefully one day I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Kirk, you do an unbelievable job too, with your podcast. And so I think it's just learning from others. And it's like, for, for me, uh, you don't want to be just always in the in the sense of you know trying to chase someone else just so you can just prove you're better than them i think it's just it, it's more internal than that and so i don't know i mean i think that that's kind of for me that's where it's it's been at when it comes to the podcasting and and just personally how i kind of came into becoming you know i i view myself as a pretty humble person
0: man uh, that's uh that's a lot to take in in a positive sense because, man, I got to thank you so much for just having, a, to sharing that with us. You know, it, it's not easy to share some personal life stuff with us and for yourself to have that true perspective of humility from a standpoint of knowing where, you know, you saw something with you in your own family. I, I think that's yeah. powerful and something to to gain from a, from a young age, but also, man, I, I gotta say thank you, and I'm too humbled that you would say anything that I'm doing anything of a, of a positive job. I'm I'm enjoying the experience, and I'm just looking to try to get better day by day, and and serve the people that I feel like have been you know I've been called to serve, and uh, you know just even with that, would you would you say that there's some relation to your experiences of getting to grow within podcasting, doing something that might have been uncomfortable to start and getting better at it and relating that back to you know what it takes to get better and be consistent with getting better at sports.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think the, the biggest fear among humans, because I, I had Dr. Michael Gervais on my podcast, who's very well known, uh, one of the best performance coaches out there in the world. And one of the things that he had talked about, and he's 100% correct, is we, as humans, we fear more than anything else, we fear what other people think of us. And so if you're able to get over that fear, this it's it's un, it's unlimited what you can accomplish and so I think for me luckily from a you know whether it be podcasting playing coaching I was able to get over that fear early on and just recognize that a long time ago like why why would I care what anyone else thinks in a hundred years is any I mean I don't know if anyone's really going to care about hopefully my, some of my work is still being consumed in, in some capacity but everyone else who's around me right now, like nobody else is going to be here. So I think that's the the big thing for me is not caring necessarily what anybody else thinks. I mean, I'm always open to people's opinions and, and want to get better, but uh, I'm definitely leery of, of limiting myself just because of what if, of, of what if someone says something or, you know, makes a face or whatever it may be. And I see that all the time, even with players trying to, change certain things and and they're afraid because they're afraid of what someone else may think. And so that's what I tell players all the time. I was like, dude, like you you don't, you don't have to worry. I will never judge you. Like I, I will never, you know, laugh if you do, you know, are trying to make a change and it doesn't work out or you fail or look stupid or whatnot. Some of the best players that I've been lucky enough to have worked with, uh, I think that's what separates them they don't let they don't let failure get to them. They they view failure as in a sense like a good thing, or you know, I just say like fail is first attempt in learning. And so I, I think that's a, a big part of it too is getting players to understand that uh, you know what separates hitters at the highest level is not necessarily I mean of course it's physical, right? You have to have some of those skills, no question about it. But it, it comes down to how do you deal with failing? How do you deal with all that? And I think a big part of it for a lot of them is worrying what other people may think of them initially versus I think the best of the best, they, they, they just don't care.
0: That's, that's powerful. I mean, and, and powerful just in the perspectives, like you said, of having to, to look at our own selves and our own fears of what, what we challenge ourselves to step outside of our own comfort zones. And we, and we say, you know, comfort zones all the time. But uh, I'm sure, you know, I I imagine in your sense, the same way as myself, as things grow and I've done these different things, uh, not just the podcast, but, you know, going back and playing baseball at 30 years old and and going getting past these fears. I still find myself trapped in my comfort zone at different times of where I'm afraid to reach out to a guest or afraid to just because what is what if somebody says they don't like me or what if somebody tries to say they don't agree with my journey of what it goes. So I think it's powerful to point that perspective towards fear for yourself. And, you know, where where are your comfort zones these days of where you're still trying to reach out of?
1: Oh, I'm doing it all the time. And I mean, even this past summer when I was with and and the coaching staff who I was with can back me up on this. One of our games in Lynchburg, Virginia, I got word that a a famous agent was at the game um, trying to – was recruiting one of our players, Scott Boris. And so once I found that out after BP, I went up in the stand. I was like, are you kidding me? Like Scott Boris here in the middle of nowhere, Lynchburg, Virginia – so I went up there because I wanted to, I wanted to invite him on my podcast. And of course he's swarmed by scouts and everybody else. And I'm in my BP attire. And so I sit in a row behind him because he's talking to these people. And I, at the time I was like, man, like what a loser here. You are <laughs> supposed to be a coach sitting all by yourself, just waiting, uh, you know, for, for one guy to, to talk to, um, but I, I just waited for him. And then finally I just introduced myself and, you know, asked him to come on the podcast and I, a big, part of why we haven't been able to arrange it yet is everything going on with major league baseball. But I think, you, but at the same time, you know, I would never have, have even put myself in that position had I not literally just walked up to the guy and, and asked him. And he was, the, he was the nicest guy in the world. And you know, so I think it's, it's putting yourself out there and it, it comes down to like a lot of times, like at the, at the other end of that fear is something good. You know, fear for me is future events aren't real. That's what I think of fear. And that's what I was taught growing up too by, by my stepdad. And so I think that's a, that's a big part of it. So that's just one example of like, yeah, like, you know what, it was a little uncomfortable, but I, I just kind of made my, made fun of myself. Like here you are just 30 year old in the stands in minor league stadium waiting to talk to uh you know, another man, like for getting his autograph. Um, you know, luckily none of my bosses were at the game. It would have been kind of weird. They were like, probably would have been like, you know, what, what are you doing in the stands? But I think that's that's just one one example that comes to the top of my mind of, of just putting yourself out there and people respect it. I mean, they really do respect when you're when you are when you come across it, come across as just genuine and, and you give them your honest opinion, whether it be interviewing for a job or, uh, you know, asking someone to to come on the show. I mean, the worst they can say is no. And, and that's happened to me uh, on numerous occasions. And. I'd rather someone say no than just not return my message. So I, I appreciate it. I, I really do. I really do. Uh, you, know, you know, in some sense of, of them just saying like, Hey, just now not the right time. Don't worry about it. Well, you know, I'll, I'll reach back later on. So I think that that's uh, the Scott Boris example. I'm, I'm determined to get him on the podcast. I've probably emailed his assistant about 30 times now and left about 10 messages. I've talked to, uh, talked to her off and on a little bit. So, that one will eventually come, I, I I promise. So I have to fly out there myself. That's
0: awesome. It's all, and you know, man, just, you know, I think it's important for us to all be aware that as we climb, and, and I appreciate you sharing that, we're still going to have our comfort zones that we have to step out of. But I think it's the consistent practices that we put into place that can help us feel easier to break through those chains, because we use the positive memories of the things that we've done to continue moving forward. And, you know, I, I almost feel weird saying this, but it, because again, it's part of the stigmas of comfort zones and different things, but, you know, I I have a life coach and in my life coach, one of the things that he shares with me. And one of the things that shares with a lot of people is the worst thing that can happen is a feeling. And, you know, when we can control, you know, when we can recognize that for ourselves, that that's the worst that can happen in this situation, it makes it that much easier for us to go out and be bold and be authentic, like you spoke about. And, you know, I think it's a testament to your own emotional intelligence to be able to recognize these different things within yourself and, and continue going on, because that's going to give you the perspectives to give back to these people that you get a chance to pour into. Yeah, there's one thing I'll add on that, you know, when it comes to
1: feelings and thoughts, specifically, you know, thoughts are just, thoughts you can't always control your thoughts and so it's it's having the awareness to understand that that hey just because i have a thought that doesn't necessarily mean anything i mean it could be you know something you saw in the past it, it could just be you know your mind in a sense just kind of playing tricks on you so being able to identify the that fact and i speaking of why i hired i worked with another coach brent walker um, is his name? He's now in the big leagues with the Dodgers as their mental skills coach, and that's something that he taught me. Um, you know, a few years ago when I was working with him regularly, just wanting to help players with this side of the game. So I just thought, why not hire the best out there that I can find? So <laughs> that's one of the things that he had taught me, though, and he's 100 percent correct. You know, I, I apply that to my own life too. Is you, you can't always control. You know, you may have anxiety, and I have anxiety, and you may have all these things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that any of those things are true and so it's it's having that awareness that's why awareness to me is is so important to to understand that and it yeah I mean I, I kudos to you for having a coach I think it's important I mean we ask our players to get better like why wouldn't we get better right. it doesn't make any sense to me so I, I think it's important and and that's awesome for that you you know you're doing that and I'll I will always continue to be doing stuff like that and and hiring people to help me um, along my way in, you know, whether it be something just even me just videotaping myself in the cage on a GoPro and going back and, and watching over it after to see, okay, w- was I adding in extra words that weren't necessary, how many uh, filler words were was, was I putting in S- stuff like that, different tones of voice pausing I think pausing is a big one, I'm really working a lot on, on pausing, especially when we and I do like presentations to the players. And things like that, too. So I, I think for me, like those are a few of the things that that I'm, I'm working on and getting better at. And if you're not growing, you're dying. I believe
0: that. That's that's awesome. And I think there's too much truth behind everything that you're saying. And and you know what? I'm going to hit you with that with the heavy one, you know, right off the bat that for whatever reason, I've held until later in the in the past. But, man, Patrick, what's your purpose?
1: Yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought about this in the in the past. I think my purpose is just is impacting others. And, you know, I was talking to my dad about this not that long ago, and he had mentioned something of of how every single job that's pretty much out there in the world, you could relay back to that's serving a, a fellow human. And whatever job you could you could go back and and say, whether it be the someone who's stocking shelves or you know, someone who's picking up trash, whatever it is, it, you could trace that back to serving other humans. And so I think for me as a coach, I, I get that in a different sense. It's, it's probably a little bit more intimate just because I'm, you know, working with someone personally. But I think for me, it's, it's the same thing. It's about making an impact. It's, it's one of the things that, one of the reasons right now why I'm not interested at all in professional baseball. Because I, for me, I want to try to make the biggest impact and impact the most amount of people that I possibly can, and so I, I don't think that's right now my calling because I don't think I can impact the most amount of people just because of the way it's set up and the the structure and everything like that. You know, this so far this off season, I've worked with over sixty players so far, and so hopefully I've been able to make some kind of impact with those sixty players, and then just continue in time and time and time again as the time comes on. So. For me, it's trying to make some sort of positive impact on them. And I think a lot of times people get it, especially in the coaching and baseball, maybe even player development. It becomes so, well, did the player get better? And so for me, it's it's, it's personal development, too. If I see a player who ha, is, getting, is getting more confident, is making maybe he has more friends now, maybe, uh, you know, he's better grades, whatever it is. I feel like that's probably more important than if he's getting better as a baseball player. And I know from my own experience, reflecting back on my own life, I would have been a much better baseball player had I focused on those other things growing up and not been so solely focused on baseball. I didn't, I, that's all I cared about. And I think it hurt me because subconsciously I knew that there were some missing pieces in my own life. And so I'm, I want all my kids in here to, do stuff socially. I, I don't want it to be a, a thing where it's like it's base. It's all baseball. It's 24/7. It's this and that. Because I, for me, I just I I've, I know firsthand as a coach and as a player how how mental the game is. And so when it comes to understanding that, you have to take into account all things going on in their life. So it's not just are they putting in the work on the baseball field. It's hey, like, do they feel like, are they in some kind of group? Do they feel connected? Do they feel a part of something? Not just with working with me in the group here, but also with their friends. You know, grades-wise, do they feel, you know, I, you know, I was a very confident kid. I think a big part of it is I didn't have good grades, looking back either. You know, I was playing baseball, worrying all the time about my grades. So there's there's other things that that go into it. And I know, I'm hopefully I'm not ranting on too much, but it kind of goes back to, you know, what you say the purpose is? I think the purpose is making an impact, but it's not just player development; it's personal development too. I think it would be so cool if, if in some capacity, I end up working for a player someday in, in some way that I'm I, I you know started coaching and and now they they come up they are now above me you know they've they've passed me and now I they're teaching me so I I view that as as parents too uh, you know one of my parents you know is I'm helping him a lot more these days with just, you know, common things, but growing up, he was helping me. And so it's kind of just the same, it's the same thing. You know, we're, we're on this in this, in this journey together. So that, that to me is the biggest thing is, is making an impact for him personally from a personal development standpoint, from a player development standpoint. And I just want them to be happy. I, I really do not care if they play college baseball or, you know, last year when I was with the Orioles, all the majority of those guys wanted to go and play of course in the major leagues, but I would tell you know, guys, if you guys don't make it to the major leagues, like I still want to talk to you. Like I, I'm still going to answer your call. I'm still going to be here if you need me. And you know, this summer I'm, I'm planning on still, I'm actually going to fly out for a few days and, and watch some of the guys in the minor leagues um, who I had last year, just to, because I, I think it's important to keep that relationship, those relationships going and strong. And I, and so for me, it's just, it's so much bigger than baseball. It's it's not even funny. Uh, you know, you, it, that gets lost on social media a lot of times, which is unfortunate. But I, I don't know, for me, that's that's the, the biggest thing. It's just, it's so much bigger than just baseball.
0: That's, it's great to hear. And I mean, you know, from your own personal, personal perspective that you have that knowledge within you that, hey, those are things that you lacked in your own experience that you want to make sure that you left it better than the way that you found it and you're passing it along that much better. And, you know, I I know we can say that things get lost on, on Twitter and and whatnot, but you know, I think that the, the movement's happening. I think there's a lot of positive change towards really recognizing that personal and self-development and self-awareness, self-growth, just building yourself as a human being is so paramount to your correlation of how you play on the field. And ultimately, you know, just like you had said, If you didn't have those things that were nagging in the back of your head, then you'd be able to potentially give more of yourself to the thing that you love, but it would have meant that you're striking that balance of giving your thing yourself to the other areas. And, you know, that's why I've just been so adamant these days of trying to, to make people hopefully start to see, because I lacked those things myself at at that age, that you need to be built on more than just baseball, because when your sport fails you and it will what are you left to stand on as a person? And then you start getting into the ruts of your, your differences of in your sport. But when you have that, you know, other area balanced out of your education, your spiritual life, nutrition, fitness, family, whatever it might be, you can stand up a little bit easier once you get knocked down because you know that you're doing things in the proper way. So, um, you know, what are some things that you do with your guys to, uh, to help them try to, you know, become more self-aware or, or just become, you know, more attached to, uh, you know, their own internal mental battle.
1: I think for me, I like to do a lot of continued education stuff. I started doing this, when I was with the Orioles last year is, is, putting together some PowerPoint presentations and, you know, during those PowerPoint presentations, we of course would go over the starting pitcher and, you know, talk about is this the movement of his pitches and shapes and approach and all that stuff. But I also really enjoyed finding clips online of, of, of regular at bats, you know, getting a clip up, you know, JD Martinez hitting a home run on a three, two count, and then, but it was, it was, you know, how did he get to, to the point of hitting that home run? You know, we always see the highlight, but what was the process? You know, he would take ugly swings at times, you know, not, of course, not every time, but there was times, you know, he'd battle and he would look kind of stupid up there really. And so I'd want guys to see that because I'd be like, Hey, just because you get fooled early on in the count, the battle's not, it's not over yet. You know, or the umpire makes a bad call or because you see a lot of this stuff with younger players is that, you know, we come into awareness is they need to be aware of the fact at times where they're going to get screwed on a bad call. Are you going to give away that at bat now? Because I do see that even with some very, very good players or it's you take a bad swing. Okay. Can I, I'm aware I took a bad swing. He fooled me on that pitch. But let's, you know, reset it a little bit and get back to, you know, you know, what I'm really trying to do this at bat. So I like I like I really like to use ML, you know, big league players, because that's where these guys some of these guys would want to get to. Or maybe if it's high school, I'm trying to get into a college. And so I think that's part of it. And part of it, too, is is just talking about it, too. I think it's that is important, too. So a lot of the time in the in the cage I'm in, it's it's more collaboration than it is me telling them what to do and so I I consider myself even though I am a podcast host, I'm an interviewer I'm an interviewer and I remember I got I, I stole that from Anthony Ioposi who I had on my podcast um, a, a year or two ago I got to reach back out and get him on again but he was like I don't view myself as a coach I view myself as an interviewer and so I think part of it too is asking the right questions. And by asking the right questions, um, they can then figure it out on their own. And if they feel like they figure something out or became aware of something because of something you ask, oh man, I mean, that's when the light bulb comes on. and, And that's when they're really able to, I mean, take, take themselves from like, you know, B to A, you know, or two to one to two, whatever it is, and just take their their game to another level when when they feel like they figured it out on their own. And so I think that's the art of coaching. And but the problem is and and this is why, Kirk, I was at ABCA a couple couple weeks ago, whenever it was. And I was looking around and I was like, you know, the problem, this isn't not a problem, but the thing here, the most important things in in hitting are not you can't quantify. And as I look around to all these different vendors, <laughs> you're you're missing it. All, all these things you can quantify, but the most important things you cannot quantify. And so, you know, that's that's kind of the issue. The not the issue, but that's what's missing. You know, I think telling teaching kids how do you how do you build an approach? You know, why why are why do your is your approach X Y and Z? And so I'm asking just these questions, not to be mean or anything like that to them. But I think it's, it's so they become aware. And so it, the critical thinking needs to be a part of hitting. I was listening to, obviously I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I really liked what Chris Colabello said a couple of weeks ago on his podcast was, you know, the difference between lifting and hitting where lifting doesn't take, it's not hard in the sense you, your coach gives you all these exercises. You just do them. You just do them as hard as you can. There's no critical thinking involved but in hitting it's that's, you know, I can tell you to do these drills and three sets of 10 and this and that it doesn't mean anything. If the, if you're not focused in, you know, it's all about what you're thinking about during the drill that makes the drill, not the drill itself. And so I I really like that, um, what he said. And so I think those are just a, a few of the ways that I like helping players with that awareness factor. I like constant communication with them. So I'll, you know, we'll, text all the time, you know, I, I want to check in with them. And I, I will sometimes will debrief, you know, we'll, we'll go over what we want to go over that day. But then at the end, too, we'll also debrief and talk about how the session went, what they feel like, you know, they need to work on or whatnot. And then also encourage them to write stuff down. I think you, we need to meet players where they're at. A lot of kids aren't going to grab, you know, a piece of paper and a notebook, but I can tell you what, they're on their phone a lot. So I just tell them, hey, pull out the notes tab of your phone and jot down just a couple things real quick on what worked tonight, what didn't work, you know, so that way when you are are scuffling a little bit, which we all will go through, you have something you can go back to. I, I, I've never regretted writing anything down. I've never regretted it. I've regretted not writing more down, though. I can promise you that. I mean, I love going back through – my notes, whether it be in my notes tab or my notebooks and, and just see some of the things that I thought about in the past about different players or thoughts or whatever it is. And so I I think I I encourage them to do the same thing because I think we're, we're trying to, you know, find for some of these guys, that light switch moment. And I think sometimes just getting it out
0: there in the world helps them do that. You're absolutely right. You know, putting it out there, you know, starts without even you knowing that chain reaction of bringing it to fruition. You know, you said going back and reading your own stuff, I laugh at myself at times, I'll find a notebook of something that I had written. And it's like, whoa, I was already almost there. You know, that was five years ago, you know, how come it took me so long to start building on this thought that, you know, I felt like I had. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, awesome where you said to to meet them where they're at because exactly that we we have to adapt to where the kids are at if we want to see them get to where they're going and and that's a part of the process of just like you said where they're going to come back and teach us because we need those different opportunities to understand where they're at but they're never going to let us get that connection unless they feel that trust and that love and that you know intentional nature that we know that we're actually there for them to see them become more than just a good baseball player but hopefully a a, a good person. And, and that kind of actually le- leads into an awesome question that uh, I guess it asked. And again, I want to, uh, you know, encourage you guys if you've got any questions for Patrick to feel free to shoot them over, but you know, how do athletes balance confidence and ego and humility?
1: Yeah. Cause you can definitely be too humble. I think maybe you could consider that to be, I don't know, a yes, man. Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I think here's the, here's, here's what, what I like to, I tell players anyway, when you're in between the lines, especially when you're in the box, you, you gotta be, you gotta have a killer instinct. You gotta be a killer in the box. You do. And so be in between the lines, in a sense, there's a different mentality versus outside the lines. And so I, I think sometimes players will wear wear their emotions on their sleeves, and they it's hard for them to separate those two. But I think you you do need to to separate those two in a in a sense where. Confidence is is extremely important. Humility is is very very important. But w- when you're in the box, I mean it's you're like a silent assassin. You're silent in the sense that I don't you know you don't want to be really tense or, or you're making just tons of movement in the box, or you want to be quiet, nice and relaxed, you know, under control. But you want to be assassin in the sense of like, hey, if you if that pitch is there, like you're there to to do damage, and then. You know, when you're in the dugout, hey, you're rooting on your teammates or talking to them about what you saw. And then once the game's over, you know, you have humility in, in the sense that, hey, whatever happened, happened. Uh, I'm going to get him tomorrow, but I'm, I'm going to be a, a good person and, 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 and still treat everyone the right way, even though maybe I am frustrated at the result or whatever it may be. And I think it's hard to do with younger kids because of – the way the college recruiting is right now. And they have to be really good right this second or else they won't get the offer. And so I think that's harder for them, but it's something that I try to uh, emphasize anyway, with, with the players that I I work with. And one of the things that we'll talk about, and maybe this isn't directly related to the question is, what what's the purpose of this particular round? Are we working on something in the box or outside the box? And is it, are we working on something movement-based or are we just trying to focus on just crushing baseballs? Because if we're focusing on, on something movement-based, then we have to accept the fact that our ball, our batted ball data isn't going to be optimal. So we're, we may not set a new high on hit tracks or we may not be you know, barreling up balls left and right but that's okay, because we're working on something specific. So I, I, it's identifying in a sense, what you're working on. But I think, you know, it's just to kind of wrap up what you had talked about, and I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts too, Kirk is, I just think you have to be, be aware and kind of be Superman in the sense of, hey, when you go in that phone booth, and you change, you know, you're a different person when you get in the box. And then after the game's over, you know, you, Hey, you hug your parents who you thank them for coming to the game. You don't take it home with you or anything like that, uh, especially baseball. Cause it'll eat you alive and, and keep you up all night long. It has me for sure. And, and move on, you learn from it and move on for tomorrow. So that, that's kind of my own take on it. I'm curious to hear what
0: you have to say though. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, appreciate even asking, you know, what, what what I might think of a situation like that. But, you know, it, it almost got my head spinning because I guess I hadn't really thought about so much of, of the answer. But I think the reality is, is, is just as you had said, it, it's that you can't be too humble because then then you're giving it away in a sense without necessarily having you know, the confidence. But I think confidence comes from consistency. And I think that same consistency can create that that humbleness that you realize that the more you know the less you know and uh, and then you know hopefully you find yourself surrounded by a human being that You can trust to be honest with you through the situation that allows you to build in your confidence, you know, because I think we're responsible for their confidence in a lot of ways and just how we communicate with them, how we build them up and how we, you know, reshape them as we potentially need to have them reshaped. It's been awesome this fall to get a chance to see some of my hitters just, you know, grow through the roof. And some guys that stay the same, but I can tell that the difference between those two people is one was open to learning and the other was already decided that they were a better hitter than I could ever make them. And so, you know, just even asking that, you know, what what are some of the areas uh, of your own, you know, students that you get a chance to be with that, that feel like, you know, what are the areas that they need to humble themselves the most in?
1: Well, first off, that was a really good segment right there. That I mean, I, I think you, you made some really good points. So I, I commend you on that. That was very, very good. When it comes to, yeah, I mean, humbling the players, I think sometimes for them, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I think for what I've seen anyway in the past is you can, you know, urge them as much as, you know, you can try to get them to make those changes. But unfortunately for some of them, the, the game is – we'll, we'll get them to make the changes. And I think this is also where for me, the the data has its most benefit because I had a player this past year for the Orioles for the Orioles. Obviously I won't say his name or anything like that, but one of the things he had told me after I told him I wouldn't be returning, he was like, thank you so much for having that conversation with me. When we were in this particular city, we were in, I think we were in North Carolina um, down East playing the Rangers because I literally just grabbed my laptop and we just sat in a corner, you know, once we first got to the park and we just went over his data because he just hadn't accepted the fact of, of, you know, we're trying to get him to make some changes. His, some of it just were approach based and even just how he was going about his routine, because it, it just wasn't, he wasn't getting the the numbers that he needed to get in order to get to where he wanted to go. And so I, this Again, this is where the, the data comes in. And so we, we sat down and we looked at all the, the data. And so it wasn't really me, you know, trying to get him to make it the change necessarily. I'm like, dude, here's, you know, you say your favorite player is this guy. And I mean, how are we ever going to get you there when your numbers say X, Y, and Z? And so that way, again, he goes back to, he's feel, it's clicking for him. He feels like he's figuring it out on his own. It's not Patrick Jones, you know, forcing it down his throat. <laughs> it's you know me just showing him the information and I think when you you go about it and you do that in a, in an in a, a very uh, aware way, I guess maybe as a, as a way to put it so that the player doesn't feel like again it's it's you have an agenda. I think that they, they will make the right decision and they will buy in because in a sense they they know they don't have a choice but not to when you when you provide them the information so, i think there's there's definitely that and i mean i've I've had players even you know i had a player this past year who um you know people were always trying to make changes to this particular player um, and so I, I i had him this past year and, and finally when he got when he got promoted he came to me and he was like i just want to thank you so much for not having an agenda and, like, not trying to make changes just, just to put your stamp on me. And so I, I think player it's important to know, like, how smart players are. They, they just keep getting smarter and smarter. And and they know. They know if you genuinely care or not or if, you're, you know, you have some sort of agenda at play. And, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of time with a lot of hitters this past year in the cages working on so many different things and outside the cages and doing different things like that, whether it be mechanics or approach or – game planning and it was like man like after i when i talked to all these guys after i told them i wouldn't be returning they none of them mentioned any of that stuff any of it mm-hmm. uh, they all had said just thank you for caring you know thank you so much for for you know putting the time in and just caring it wasn't anything about teaching them you know how to you know move better or anything like that it was just thanks for for caring i appreciate it so I think that's always important to know. And I I think you can, you can do that through a a variety of ways. I mean, I think just, you know, showing data for me, that's probably the number one way I like to use the information is to, is to get them um, in a sense to it humbles them. It humbles them without having to necessarily say anything.
0: Well, I I thought it was really powerful that you mentioned the aspect of, you know, a, a routine. And we talk about, you know, going back previously and talking about, the most important parts of hitting are not quantifiable. Now, with that being said, how important is a routine to yourself to getting these guys ready?
1: It's very, you mean a routine like for me personally or for it, them?
0: As far as for themselves finding a routine that.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. It's a routine's huge because you, you play in a lot of different places. You don't always have access to certain things. So it's, it's finding things that, Hey, no matter where I'm going to be at, I know I'll have access to X, Y, and Z. And so that's why, for example, I get the whole T and motor learning and skill acquisition, you know, how the T, doing T work doesn't play into of into into that role and how, you know, all these researchers say this, you know, that it's not a good thing or whatever. That's, I, I get all that. I really do. I genuinely do. Like I've, I've looked into all that stuff. But the problem is, is, you know, those guys who have done these research, they haven't necessarily developed any baseball players. And so, and I reason I say that is because a tea is more so for meditation. It's more so for the routine itself for a lot of these guys than it is for anything else. And I've talked to, I, you know, one of the th- reasons I love doing the podcast and I always continue to do it is because of the connections I've been able to make with people, you know, directly through it, having on, but also you know i had someone on and they know someone else so i just talked to them i can't tell you how many big leaguers use the t it's it's a form of meditation for them it's a form of they always know it'll be there it gets them yep in a calm sense of you know of where their minds at it has nothing to do i get everyone knows it's it's not that challenging but but there is a, a purpose to it and so i i think that's kind of the art of hitting and that's something, again, it's not quantifiable, right? You can't, I, I can't necessarily quantify that, but damn, I've, I've talked to some really freaking good hitters who, uh, who, you know, have that routine and it has nothing to do with anything more than just that. And that, that was, those were their, those, those were their words, the meditation piece though, you know, it wasn't mine. So I think it's, it's having that for some, it can be, could be breathing. It could be, you know, I've seen had players, it, it's reading the Bible before four games so I think you can get creative and how you you go about it but I I like giving recommendations to players or just having them try things or maybe I'll say something to them and then they'll say yeah maybe you know I like that or maybe it gives them an idea or I don't like that and I whether they like it or don't I really don't care I just just gets the conversation going and and so again that helps lead them to figuring out what's gonna work best for
0: themselves man I, I... I really think that you're hitting all, all over some powerful aspects of what make athletes more than athletes for themselves and give them their opportunities to, to really, you know, grow into who they believe that they can be, because a lot of times we're getting in our own way and, and, you know, no names of course, but I wanted to know if you have a a story of working with somebody that, you know, maybe you clashed with a little bit, but, you know, they humbled themselves through the process of thinking that maybe they had it all figured out and finally let go and got the most out of themselves to, as they could with you. Uh,
1: I wouldn't say there's necessarily been a player that I've clashed with and, and maybe I just haven't coached long enough yet, but I have had players who it's been, it, it there it was a particular player. He was, it was very hard for him to, in a sense, get out of his own way because he, uh, of how he was brought up in the game. And, and this is, again, going back to how I think you can combine the, the old and new school, where I, I think the, the analytics is really good, and it was very good for this particular player because he had been brought up in the fact of you know, how important average was. And that's just what it was really promoted to him growing up, not striking out looking that was another thing. And so it was being aggressive, you know, it's selfish to to go down looking, you know, always put in play. And so a big part of, I mean, a big part of of me working with this particular player was, was getting him to change those thoughts and to to change how he viewed success as a hitter. It nothing, you know, I don't, I don't want you looking at your batting average. Nobody cares about your batting average. The front office doesn't care about your batting average. Nobody cares about it. And, but it was very hard for him. It was very hard for him because This was just how he was just brought up. And, you know, I mean, you know, he was a young kid at the time too. And so it was, it's, it's showing him like, Hey, the, the best hitters in the world at times will take close pitches and it takes more discipline to take a close pitch than it does to just swing at anything with two strikes. And it was, but it was also showing him different examples and visuals and, man, I had to get really creative. I think what's, you know, even calling people up and or texting certain people that I knew he looked up to and show them the text message. So he would, you know, be like, Oh, X, Y, and Z does, does believe in, in taking pitches too, and, <laughs> and having a better plan. So I, I think that, you know, that particular player was, was that for me, I'm, I am very close to that, that player. So, you know, with, we didn't have a clash. We had a lot of really good conversations and and it was it was deep and and man i'm so proud of him because he did end up accepting it towards the end of the year and he had a he finished so strong and i i can't wait to see what he ends up doing this upcoming year and it that was i mean that was all on him he got out of his own comfort zone you know he came in with it he was in his comfort zone he believed what he believed and then by the end he had was opened up to new things and it, he saw it. It got it better too. That's another thing too. There was one particular game where I finally got him to take a close pitch, and I saw it on the on the live track man. And with that instant second i was like my my heart stopped beating because i was praying the umpire would not ring him up because i knew if this umpire would have rang him up i would have lost everything we had already done but he it was ball four and i was i was like oh thank you god thank you (laughs) and so that was a big that was a big turning point right there And, and after that he was he was making better decisions and hitting better and you could tell by his movement so it, it all kind of went hand in hand, but that, that would, that was one example of, of a player who again, very close with from the beginning to the end, but it was just hard for him to get out of his own way, but man, I'm so happy and, and just proud of him. And I, I just think the sky's the limit for that player.
0: That's that's awesome to hear that you got to experience that yourself though as well too, because that's another positive, uh, you know, building block for yourself to take to the next person and have that, additional knowledge that you know stayed the course or not that it necessarily worked or anything like that but just to be able to to build those continued relationships for the for the next people because of the experiences that we've we've garnered and uh you know i know we're getting a little bit close towards uh towards nine o'clock here for ourselves. um but you know i wanted to to ask you you know where do you see personally mental skills training going within sports that's a good question kirk i think believe I will say I believe
1: it's at it's it's going it's getting better and better and better I I, you know every team pretty much at this point has mental skills people and things like that that's the job of the hitting coach that's the job of the pitching coach that and I'm being dead serious that that is the job for them it's very hard for someone to just come into town and not have contacts or anything like that and just Tell you, you know what you need to be thinking or feeling. I mean, it's it, like I said before; it's very, it's it's much deeper than than just you know what you see. And so I think it's up to the coaches. It's up to us as coaches to to get better at that. And that's kind of earlier I talked about a few years ago. I had hired Brent Walker, and I know he's the mental skills guy, but at the time he wasn't. He was um, professor at Columbia University, and I I realized as a hitting coach, I need to be really Freaking good at the mental side. I need to understand all this stuff, you know, and, and to be able to do exactly what I'm saying. And so I say that because I, I'm, I don't want to be a hypocrite and just say, you need to do it. I'm putting my money literally where my mouth is and say, you know, I, and, and just backing it up that way, where I think it is important that we as coaches dig more deep, deeper into that kind of stuff. And I see that at times with Younger coaches, and I know, heck, I'm, I'm young myself, but I, I know I have an old soul. So I, I think with younger coaches, they get very, very excited and they want to try all these new things and this and that. They're so like, whoa, whoa, whoa like, let's take a step back. Okay, let's let's A, talk to somebody first who has been doing this a long time and get their opinion on it before we go about like, will this actually work? And this is why I love talking to older coaches because it's just the wisdom. You can't Google it. And Google anything else. I can find anything else out on analytics, anything like everything like that. But you cannot Google wisdom. I mean, some of the things that I have been taught from people who've been in this game for such a long time—it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. But going back to what you had said before, mental skills—it's still the beginning. I think the older coaches, though they they understand how important the mental side is, and they pretty much have always said it really too. So I think we're getting better in the sense of continued education with the mental side, but I think it's, it's on us as coaches working hand in hand. We can't just say like, Hey, go see the mental skills coach. (laughs) And I'm not trying to knock anybody here or get anybody out of a job. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is impact, be able to impact as many players as possible. And I just believe firsthand that's the best way you're going to go about it. I mean, I've heard, I don't know if I should share this. I mean, I've heard before, won't say the team or anything like this, but this is what I'm kind of talking about. There's a big league pitcher during a big league game. He got done within, with with um, finishing an inning. He walks back into the dugout. He did not do very good this inning. And he's a, it was it – was, he let in a bunch of runs. Very is a prominent pitcher too. Didn't, didn't go very well. Uh, clearly frustrated. Walks into the dugout the mental skills coach comes over there and says, what animal are you right now? I mean, I, that's what I'm talking about. Kind of like right there. I I think that's where it's like, it's important to hire people and to teach you about, you know, the, what the, why the, how, but you got to have feel. And I know I hopefully I, I hopefully I didn't turn anybody off by saying that, because, I, again, I respect everyone who's who's in the game and the mental skills and all that. But I heard that story and it didn't surprise me, really. It really didn't. And so I, I think it's important that I think it's be cool for teams. If I was running an organization right now, here's what I would do. I would hire someone who's one of the best in the world performance, mental skills, whatever you want to call it. I would bring them in and have them educate all my coaches on every, on all the skills, everything. I mean, that's kind of, in a sense, what I did with Dr. Walker. And so that's what I would have them do. You teach the coaches and then the coaches can chew on it and be like, okay, how can this actually be applied during the field? So I think that's, that's what I would do. And you can, it doesn't necessarily have to be at just professional level. And I'm sure a lot of coaches on here or aren't necessarily professional coaches, but you can do it at high school and, you know, everything, you know, even lower levels too. just bring someone in and just teach the coaches and then they can take it from there. So I I really do hope and I'm I'm, I'm being dead serious. I'm not was not trying to take a knock at all at anybody in the, the mental skills side. I just think it's important for the coaches to to take responsibility for that.
0: No, and I don't think anything came across that way at all. What, what it really, to me is like you said, it's having some feel reading a room, knowing what's going on. If you don't have that personal relationship where that guy even wants you in his ear at that present time, you know, if anything, you're, you're distancing the relationship that you're trying to grow and build. But one of the things that you talked about as far as learning that I I think is just so important as well. And it just reminds me of a a Zig Ziglar quote where he talks about um, you can, uh, you can, you can finish school. You can even make it easy, but you'll never finish your education. You know, we have to continue being learners and growers for ourselves because it, as soon as we turn that off, then, then we've lost that grounded nature of that self-awareness that we're talking about. Then, then there's no humbleness to it. It's the, you think that you know all the answers And uh, and I think that's, it's very, very awesome that you already have that perspective for yourself, that you're looking to continually grow and, and get better. Um, You know, and, you know, knowing that there's some high school kids in here, even possibly some younger kids as well, too. You know, is is there a particular age that uh, of any kids that you've worked with where you've started to see uh, any kind of correlation to where, hey, maybe they start to get the the mental side of the game a little bit more?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things earlier I was talking about how players are smarter than they've ever been. It's 100 percent the truth. And I mean, heck, I had a kid in in here a couple weeks ago he was only 10 years old and, and before you know it he was literally he was literally breaking down his mechanics he's 10 years old i'm like this he, you know the word mechanics and what those mean this is an this is you know let's slow it down a little bit and he's like yeah i know i overthink everything and this and that well, hold on. That's actually, that's okay. That's good. Right. So now you've already you, that awareness piece right there. Like now you can, we can start building on that. Crazy that this kid was 10 years old and had already understood that he was an overthinker. And I mean, it, brilliant kid, probably too smart, but yeah, no question about it. If you're a high school kid, there's no, or even younger. I mean, this kid was 10 years old. There's no reason that, you know, you have to wait there. There's, there's, you know, college pro. I mean, they're You can start right now. Why not start right now? There's no reason. There's no rule. Nobody's going to take away your birthday. You know, you start right now and continue to get better and just it's start. It's a process. That's the thing. Don't feel like you got to get it right overnight or there's going to be times when you fail. And one of the things right now, I'm, I'm, you know, eventually going to try and run a half marathon. Well, you know, I started out a mile and then the next day I, I didn't quite get the mile that wasn't a failure. I didn't view that as a failure. You know, the next day, get back on there, learn from it, eat a little bit better, better nutrition, you know, now I can get to 1.5. So I think that's, it's kind of this, this similar in the sense with younger kids is you just, you know, taste, start being a, a, aware of it a little bit. But I think the big thing is, you know, being aware of it, but not letting it get in your way of of the ultimate thing, which is having fun. I've never met somebody who hasn't played better by having fun i mean there's there's so many guys that i've met over the course of, of doing my podcast and everything players coaches whatever like man i just wish i would have had more fun i just wish i would have had more fun and i think that's something that i think young players need to keep in the back of their mind too like this is supposed to be fun if you're having fun you're probably gonna be playing better too
0: that's that's awesome and uh you know, I know I, I want to be real respectful of your time as, as we're getting closer here to the uh, to the end, and I'm kind of wrapped up on some of my stuff. But uh, you know, Chance, did you have a question? I know that somebody had requested to speak uh, in here, and I wanted to give them a chance to ask a question as well too, if they had. But Chance, you got anything first? I mean, I mean, I just relate a lot of what Patrick has said tonight to the pitching staff. You know, um, that I work with. It's it's. Uh, getting guys to be comfortable with who they are um, being able to um, be comfortable enough to go about their routine without worrying about um, what it looks like on the outside or without judgment from the outside, you know, and just going about who they are and about getting better and, and making sure that they're ready to go without judgment from others. I think that's so key. And I think that's so important for, you know, this, you know, the high school, the college kids to just not worry about being judged by other people and just just going about their business. It's awesome. I appreciate that contribution. Definitely, chance. Evan, did you have anything that you wanted to ask Patrick? Yeah, a
1: couple questions. Um I I coach high school. Uh, I, I picked up a basketball coaching, and I also played two years of pro baseball. Um, just trying to get uh, more feedback on relating to kids that have, um, are more of a mental midget state. Um, is, is there any tips or tricks to be able to relate more to them in the way that they process the game or anything like that? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I have those kids too. I think for me when, when those kids is a, I try to, talk to the parents too and make sure that they're on the the same page because I think that's a big part of it too and even at the professional level parents are still involved and they it's it's important to have and I think have a relationship with them because they they do make a, a big impact you know they're obviously their son or whoever it is they have a relationship with and are telling them things too so I think a big part is educating the parents on hey when so and so says x y and z like hey you need to you need to catch them you need to hey okay like, hey, like we're not doing that we're not saying negative stuff or talking mechanics before the game or whatever it may be because that i'm sure we've all you know heard about the the car ride and how important that is but i think that every kid more than anything else wants to impress their parents and i see it almost every single day and so i think it's important for those particular players because again i have those two so i resonate it's educating the parents and so they know and they probably already do know that their their son or daughter is an overthinker too but it's educating them on, on what what should they be doing hey when your son strikes out guess where guess where he's looking at right away he's looking to see what your reaction is and when your head goes straight down in the palm of your hands, you know, that's, that, that's adding to the problem too. So I think that's, that's a big part of it for me anyway, is, is educating them. And then educating the player too, and uh, talking it out with them uh, and pumping them up. I, I'm very big on, i pumping players up and it's a genuine, I get on them too, of course, but I, I want to make sure that they know that I care about them and believe in them and, and, and also, that you know, thinking more doesn't necessarily equate to, to better hitting. And so, I, I get them how why they're thinking at times and overthinking. And they would, I think they would be so. When I tell them that they're some of the best hitters in the world are overthinkers at times too, I don't think they necessarily believe me, but everyone struggles with that, even at the highest levels. So, I think just to, to wrap up that question it would be that to educate the parents on it would be the number one thing because their opinion and voice matters greatly in it and and educating them on, you know, what to do when player says X, Y, and Z or after games, how they should act. The parents should probably act during the game and the importance of, of their body language and things like that during the game. And then talking with the player and having that open dialogue with them on, on, on making sure that they're not overthinking every time they get into the cage or, Hey, you know what? There's been guys in the major leagues who have swung and missed in this cage right here. And guess what? They just shrugged their shoulders. Like, okay, let's go again. Let's do it again. So I giving them examples, I think will help too. And finding those examples online or, uh, you know, reaching out to, to players too, I think can be a big benefit. I think for me as a, as a coach, I never care if they learn the information from me or from somebody else. So I, I will reach out to other coaches to talk to them at times or players. If they find out they look, if, if I find out they look up to them and maybe that gets the message across too. So hopefully one of those answers helps it. Um, in some regard.
0: Evan, I appreciate you asking that question. Definitely. And a uh, great question. Yeah. Appreciate everybody being on today. And, you know, Patrick. I uh, um, <clears throat> uh, wanted to give you a chance. Uh, anything else that you had had to say for yourself that maybe I didn't get a chance to ask that stemmed from any uh, you know conversation that we had? Uh,
1: no, I mean I, I appreciate everything that you're doing. It's been awesome. I, I enjoyed. You know, like I said, I listened to, to the episode with Bobby Magianis today on my way over to awesome. my workout, and you know, talking about love and. Awesome human being. I thought it was really cool how he's you know his wife and. Uh, and in him we're, we're talking about it going back and forth and I, I'm a big fan of Bobby but I, I, I enjoy that I, I pick stuff up all the time from different people and sometimes I, I'm just trying to find a different way to say the same thing so it, it may help somebody else or something of that regard so I appreciate everything that, that you're doing and uh, you, know, I, you know I'm, I'm sure I got to get you on my podcast so we can reverse these roles I think that's fun too and but I again I appreciate everyone I I mean, we started this thing talking about humility and awareness and not caring what others think. And shoot, I, I remember sitting down at my computer, opening up and be, and and saying to my to myself, "Man, I, I'm kind of nervous. I I hope I can give some value to to Kirk and his show tonight in some regard, and hopefully the people listening will get something out of it." And so I think again that goes back to just that awareness, and we we all feel that just pushing through it. So uh, I appreciate you having me on, though
0: big time man and and i mean uh, i can't even believe that i heard in my ear that you're trying to talk about me being on your show i, I don't know if i'm allowed to be on a list of all those people that have been on well, you know you've no. been
1: i mean you've had some big time guests on on your show i mean so i think it, it's, it's funny because when i was started out doing podcasting i was like i need to get the biggest guests on i want to get you know the the biggest the biggest people in baseball or this or that or whatever and what I found is honestly the, the most downloads are the people are, are the, the coaches that nobody's really ever the average person wouldn't know. And the, the biggest guests that I get on, they don't it, it doesn't equate to the biggest the most amount of downloads. And so I, I think you'd be surprised. I think a lot of people would really resonate with you, not just not because you know you're you're Mike Trout necessarily, but they may just feel like, Hey, you know what? I'm just like Kirk, you know, I'm very similar to him, we think alike, or whatever it may be. And so I I think that you, you, you have value as does everybody. And it's not just how, how much stuff is on your Wikipedia page.
0: (laughs) I think that's a powerful, powerful perspective. And just like you're saying, as far as relating to each other, and and that's kind of what this is all supposed to be about. I'm trying to help us not grow in the dark anymore. You know, I want, I want us to have to just understand that, look, we all go through the same stuff, the same wind blows on us all, Jim Rohn, Uh, you know, but we're all going through this together and each one of us wants to see each other grow to the best of their abilities, because that gives us the chance to go, Hey, if he could do it, then I could do it. And we, we build off of each other. And then, you know, how many people can we continually serve? And kind of with that being said, you know, just to kind of get towards taking us out, I got an actionable request this week that that's pretty simple guys. I want you to practice some humility and gratitude and just make an intentional action to reach out to at least three people that have helped you get to where you are you know especially if you have someone you need to swallow your pride and go back and tell them that they were right or or that they helped you in some other way uh, i think it's really important to to be intentional about that with our time and, and our actions and uh i again i gotta kind of thank everybody for taking their time out and spending some time with us patrick thank you so much for making yourself available for everybody tonight and, and you've provided tremendous value so don't shortchange yourself at all it's been awesome to see and now a, I'm just excited to to listen even more. Uh, You know that much more. I enjoyed your podcast already, but now getting this more human connection behind it. uh, You know you've you've got a, a fan for life. You're big time.
1: I appreciate it, Kirk. I, I'm in my cage right now and I'm in Cincinnati where it's freezing out. And I don't know if my heat just went out, but my toes are, are ice cold. <laughs> I think during this episode, I started stuttering a couple of times because I'm so cold right now. So, hey, I'm, I'm uh, ready to get rolling, but I appreciate it again.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Patrick. And last quote that I'll leave everybody with is humility isn't denying your strengths. It's being honest about your weaknesses. Rick Warren. Thank you, everybody, for your time tonight. Hope everybody's had a good one and appreciate it. See you guys next week. Take care, everybody.